With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. blogtalkradio.com on the Beef 360 Network. It is Fanatic Radio. I'm your host, Michael Gardner, joined as always the partner in crime, the creator of Beef 360com the notorious Ben Florence, and the host of Sports Zone. I haven't had that plug in a while. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, yeah. we are back here on our regular studio. Thank you to our wonderful affiliates in New Orleans. We partied uh, like it was 1999 for the Super Bowl. We had a great, we had a great time down there, um, didn't we? Uh, every time I go to New Orleans, especially for the first, the first time, it's, uh, you know, New Orleans is a hell of a place, and uh, it's, it's pretty wild, especially when you get late and late into the night, where it's just, it's pretty insane, especially for uh, when you have something going on like the Super Bowl, which is kind of a big deal. But uh, yeah, I know, I know you're kind of a Cajun guy, not really, but you know, down south. You're from you're from the south, not that far away. You're not that far. Away. <laughs> you're a day's drive in from New Orleans. I know? am, I am. But you know, who wasn't a day's drive in the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Good segue for the uh, Super Bowl. I know it's been about a week, but. Needless to say, the Ravens are in their second Super Bowl title in franchise history, giving uh, making Joe Flacco seem pretty immortal as they're already talking of contract negotiations for uh, Front Row Joe, not yeah. to uh, be mistaken with uh, Joe Nemechek, yeah. good friend of the oh, show, of friend of ours. Absolutely. But are you surprised that the Ravens pretty much handled the 49ers convincingly? Um, you know, and especially in the first half, I probably was a little surprised. I thought, because it really was a game of two halves. You know, Baltimore would look awesome in the first half. San Francisco, particularly after the uh, the long blackout we had in the uh, second half. But, I mean, Baltimore, they really came out. They are physical. They were really able to do whatever they wanted on offense, particularly in the passing game, which I was a little surprised about. Because, um, you know, I really thought, you know, San Francisco's defense is so good as uh, you strike the uh, classic Kaepernick play. Well, I scored a touchdown, too. I was waiting for that. I was saying. You were, you were excited for that. and um, But I was actually even more surprised with how good Baltimore's defense looked in the first half. I mean, Colin Kaepernick made a, a couple plays, but he also had some bad – he had a really bad pick. And overall, that uh, was uh, a little all over the place, which I was a little surprised about. I didn't know how well they would uh, 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 handle a uh, mobile quarterback like Colin Kaepernick, and they did pretty well, especially in the first half, and that was able to set them up for the rest of the game. Yeah, because the Ravens didn't really face a lot of running quarterbacks. 
I don't think they did at all, but um, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the Kaepernick pick because it was the first time ever that a 49ers quarterback had thrown an yeah. interception. I yeah. did not know that, and also it was the first Super Bowl loss the 49ers have ever had. Yeah. And I thought, dang, and the Steve, the Joe, first of all, it makes me understand how dominant Joe Montana was and Steve Young. But the, uh, it was interesting because today or uh, people from the Times-Picayune are saying that the Superdome – they, the, the people saw that blackout uh, in advance, so they knew something like that was... They tried to fix something like that prior to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, uh, and then of course, probably one of the wildest things ever happened in you know, Super Bowl history. Yeah. 34-minute blackout. Jim Nance was off the air. Yep. Didn't they know, were, didn't they, know what we were yeah, going to do. Yeah, they cut off Phil Simms mid-sense when the power was lost. So. Which, I mean, that's never a bad thing. But, <laughs> but um, so it's funny. So it, makes, so it makes Dallas not seem like the worst Super Bowl of all time. Yeah. But granted, that uh, that blackout changed everything. It really, it, it made it. I mean, everyone was saying, you know, they're still talking about, it, which is great that they're finally getting it out, saying what happened. But I think, you know, without it, it would have been a blowout, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, very well. I mean, because it was what twenty twenty three to. I don't remember exactly what the score was at that time, but um, I know obviously Baltimore was up big, and a lot of people. Or like, yeah, well, it's a blackout. Technically, nothing changed. But in a, in theory, it gave San Francisco the chance to regroup, focus that, you know, it gave them a chance to basically clear their minds and focus all their attention on the, on uh, going forward, letting it all loose, which they really did, and that's how they made it a tight game late. Um, I think in terms of Baltimore, what might have happened is they probably thought, eh, well, Maybe we, you know, we can relax a little bit. We've got this big lead, and really came back to hurt them because San Francisco came out pounding right after it. They got their act together, and they made it a hell of a finish. So, and so maybe while the blackout, you know, wasn't great. I mean, actually, it was kind of, kind of sucked because you know it was a blackout. But I guess that you know, I guess it was good in that it made it uh, an exciting finish. It did, uh, including the goal line stand, which you were right on SportsCenter on Tuesday. 49ers were going for the win. If they would have scored, this would have made it, I guess, 36, 37, if they would have made the extra point. Or it would have, yeah, it would have been, uh, or 36, 36 if 35. they made the extra point. It would have been 35, so a would have given them the win, then they would have gone for two, and that could have put them up by three. Are you upset the 49ers didn't score and win? Um, I really thought they were going to. They were moving the ball down the field. Obviously, it's so hard to uh, – it really is hard to score because it is so, – it, you know, it's less of a field to worry about for the defense. And everyone's bunched up. It's Even when you spread everybody out, everybody's still bunched up pretty much right on the line. So, it's uh, – I mean, I have no idea why they ne- – why Frank did not touch the ball at all. Not all four plays. He not all four plays. And he's, you know, I'm a big Frank Gore fan. I thought he had a really good game. and But there was no, at no point did he touch the ball during that, which I thought was ridiculous. I mean, and he had, like I said, he had a very good game. So, Do you think that's the reason why they lost, the lack of giving it to Gore and Colin Kaepernick running? Because he only busted for a couple of big gains, and that was, you know, late in the fourth quarter. He didn't really do anything in the first half. Yeah, I mean, what really, I mean, Baltimore. There's a fascinating tidbit in uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, Peter King Monday night, Monday morning quarterback, where the uh, defensive coordinator um, basically was going to. Uh, he wanted. He didn't. He did not blitz, 
and so he was not going to blitz. Harbaugh actually apparently wanted him to blitz, but he didn't on that play when uh, Kaepernick rolled out. And thus, you know, basically, they when you do a play like that, you're trying to get away from the rush, you're anticipating a blitz. By getting him out on the corner, but there was nobody that was blitzing. So he was, roll, he was rolling away from nothing, and therefore he had – Baltimore had so much uh, all their uh, defenders lined back up and nobody was rushing, so they had everyone in coverage and really Kaepernick had nowhere to go. I mean, really Baltimore was able to clamp down and when you're in a tight spot like that, the speed does not as, does not make as big of a difference because you only have to go a few yards. And that's where I think that Baltimore really was able to take advantage of the the smaller field and San Francisco was not able to spread it out and uh, mix it up. Yeah, and so uh, as I said, defense wins championships. Needless to say, it did, especially that goal line stand. Uh, we talked a lot about it on Tuesday that it doesn't really matter one way or the other that uh, you know, if it was a flag or not. Yeah. Because the Ravens have played great defense. Although we did comment, uh, weird officiating in that game. Yeah. And uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and a happy, crazy ending too. The whole safety rules and thumbing through the the rule book and everything. Absolutely. But um, yeah. but they look at the aftermath. Ray Lewis is a champion, and he yep. goes uh, he goes out winning his final game. Apparently, there's gonna be a statue erected for him. Yeah. That'd be at M and T Bank Stadium. Absolutely. Where else would it be? I don't know downtown. Eh. Not big downtown. I, I guess you could. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's you know that's a reasonable. Back. Well done. Do what I can. Other notable stories. Apparently, the Baltimore Ravens lost track of the trophy. Do you believe this story? Uh, I probably do. Uh, it would not surprise me. I mean, you see this happen a lot with the uh, the Stanley Cup. Like, cause, I mean, well, here's, here's stories of people that broke the trophy. Oh, of course. But like, lose the Super Bowl trophy? Yeah, you know, it's probably you know you probably you yeah yeah you know the fracas and the aftermath. You know, people are probably, you know, hanging around with it, showing off to people. And I, honestly, if, some, if uh, what does, would not really surprise me if somebody lost track of it, which apparently it did. I mean, I don't think they'd write that, that, you know, they'd say that just to make it up. Because, you know, I don't think that's something that you'd really want to make up. Yeah, we kind of lost the the, uh, the uh, Lombardi trophy. Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like the Stanley Cup where there's only one. I mean, they make multiple Lombardi trophies. They make one every year. It's not like it's the same one. I mean, Stanley Cup's a bigger deal because it's the same one. It's the same trophy. Everyone, Everybody on the team gets a day with it, do whatever the hell they want, and then they got to give it back. So, That's um, the Stanley Cup you're talking about. Yeah, Stanley Cup. So, I mean, if they lose the Lombardi trophy, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty comical. Definitely not intended, but, you know, I can believe it. All right, and uh, going to the 49ers side, uh, USA Today reports that Candlestick Park is going to get blown up after this forcoming yeah. NFL season. Are you sad to see it go? The reading through the article is, you know, the place where uh, D- Dwight Clark made the catch. And yeah. T.O. resurrected his amazing career. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Joe Montana, Steve Young, and others. Jerry Rice, among yeah, notables. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Chuck Knoll was the coach? No, he's the uh, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Are you sad to see an iconic stadium like this leave? Uh, no, because uh, I mean I've never been out there, but uh, everyone I know that's a uh, you know 49ers fan says the place sucks. 
it was a it was a dump. Like all the stadiums out there, like the, the place where the um, Raiders play. Is o. Oh, that place is O. Dot Co. Fiasco. O. Dot Co. Coliseum. Well, the Oakland A's play. Yeah, they both. It's the only the only stadium that's still used for uh, two franchises. I mean, Candlestick Park, fascinating history. It'll always be known for the wins because it. You know, as Mark Twain famously said, the coldest winter he ever experienced was summer in San Francisco. And that's because the winds out of the Bay Area, out of the Bay, and out of the ocean are pretty brutal. And especially in that spot at, you know, at Candlestick, Candlestick Point where they built the stadium, which basically they were, when they were building the stadium, they were looking for an area. And supposedly with uh, the Giants owner, Horace Stoneham, who moved the, the New York Giants from the Polo Grounds, he was looking for a place to, um, you know, build build a place for you know the baseball giants, and if they moved to like 300 yards or like 100 yards, like to the northeast or something, the wind would have been fine. But also, they would have had to build a stadium on, and that's obviously not stable, especially for an earthquake, which famously happened during the 1989 World uh, World Series, the Bay the Bay Series. The beat between uh, San Francisco and Oakland. I mean, we always remembered for the San Francisco Giants, the 49ers, but also remember for being a dump. The baseball stadium dump. that they turned into a multi-purpose stadium, which is never, never really works. And then after the the Giants moved into their, which, uh, which is apparently a beautiful park, AT&T Park downtown, San Francisco was stuck with it. The place is garbage, and they've been looking to move out for years. So in a couple of years, they'll be moving down to uh, Santa Clara, and they got a new stadium going up there. Well, so. that be that be built by 2015. Yeah, that'll or be 20, built 2014. No, it'll be built because next year or 2014 or 2015, one of these. Because they said it's going to be uh, blown up after next season, so it will be it will be 2014. So 2014 is when though that that fall September 2014. Yeah. Let me I'll double check that because they're saying that that's where they want to host the one of those that the Rose Bowl. If Farmers uh, Stadium ever gets built in Los Angeles, that's the place they want to host the 50th Super Bowl. Yeah, it will be it will be San Francisco because I mean Farmers Field. I mean nobody is that even it. built hasn't been built. Yet. I mean they're they're looking around, but mostly they're waiting to get a team. Uh, it no, won't be Raiders. It won't. I'm saying. Yeah, it won't. It, Right, apparently they're taking the uh, FL.com, FL.com reported that they're taking seats away from uh, Mount Davis. Yeah, Mount Davis. I mean, as they always say about Al Davis, the dumbest moves he ever made were moving to Los Angeles in the first place and then moving back to Oakland. Because when he moved back to Oakland, he had they, had, they built this monstrosity of Mount Davis, which ruined the stadium for baseball. It was actually, I mean, it has enormous foul territory, but it was actually... By all accounts, an underrated baseball stadium. You had a beautiful view of the mountains and the rolling hills behind it, and now you just got this enormous thing which completely ruined it for baseball. And now it's just a garbage for the NFL. And so now they're removing or they're tarping off all the upper deck seats for football games. And so, I mean, like I said, uh, as people say with Al Davis, Probably should have moved from Oakland in the first place because he moved to L.A., had to play in the Coliseum, which was obviously too big. And, and then moving back, they, you know, they have this garbage stadium. And it's not even there. It's still the athletics. They just share it. 
Yeah, they share. They share it. Yeah, and now, but now the, the, nobody was ever going to have the money to come up with a new stadium. As you see, the same thing with the Oakland Athletics. So it, you know, that place is garbage, uh, or is garbage. San Francisco's garbage. So I think that Super Bowl L will be in San Francisco or in Santa Clara, I should say. Super Bowl L. Super Bowl L. Yeah, apparently with the Mount Davis thing, it's going to make O.Co. Coliseum the uh, smallest yep. stadium. It's only going to be like 53,000 seats, which, I mean, that's very small and barely above the minimum of 50,000. But also, it should help that they can sell uh, uh, out more games and not have so many games blacked out. So. Yeah, unlike the other uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, where they had a tarpoff stadium. They haven't had blackouts, I don't think they've had that many in a couple of years. They used to have them a lot. I mean, that stadium was overbuilt. They built it too big because they also have the uh, the the, oh, the Gator Bowl and the world or what used to be known as the world largest uh, outdoor cocktail party. It's still there, it's isn't Florida. it? Oh yeah, but that's why it's such a big stadium. It's like seventy six thousand seats. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars, Jacksonville is not a big town. Well, it's a big town, but there's no big. there's no. It's the biggest town in Florida. Is there really? Yeah, but it's just there's. It's in like a very large town in terms of geographic oh, size, right. and there's no metro area, so it's like it's the second smallest market in the NFL. What's so, the smallest? Green Bay. You pack. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's by far the smallest. I think that's, I think that's also the smallest in uh, pro sports. Is it really? Yeah. Not even the, I guess Minnesota's a big city. Yeah. But um, so enough NFL. To be sad to see the NFL season go. It makes it more exciting for uh, next year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, the football season, you know, it, it's almost kind of like, you know, we live through it. Basically, we come back to school in August, and then we got football until now. So it's like, all right, what's next? Now we just got to, you know, gear up for the NCAA tournament, gear up in, in the NBA, and, you know, so the way, uh, but yeah, it is kind of weird not having football anymore. It always feels that way because we've had it ev- pretty much every, well, actually every Sunday since September, early September. So, but you know, Super Bowl always comes back. All right, we can predict the future. We'll do it. Okay, so two years ago it was the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. This year was the refs. What crazy thing is going to happen to the NFL next year? Uh, you know, it really is so hard to predict. Like, star like players, who's going to be, because we saw the MVP this year went to Adrian Peterson. Yep. Thus giving comeback player of the year to Peyton Manning, which I could have gone either way. That's true. RG3 won offensive rookie of the year? Uh, yes. I don't know who won defensive. I believe it was, wow, I'm drawing a blank. Who was it? Uh, wow. Um. I, don't, I think it was Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks. You can pull that up, or I can pull that up real quick. I'm drawing a, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but you know, that happens. That's you know, this is live radio. Luke Kinchley. Oh yeah, Luke Keekley of oh, uh, Carolina. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was a linebacker. Just drawing a blank. You know, it happens. And JJ Watt won play uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah. So. Uh, of course, we saw Peterson get an injury and think, oh, this guy's going to be nothing and ends up being an absolute train, leading his team to the playoffs. Uh, who do you think is going to have a breakout season next year? I'll start. I think it's going to be... Gee, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Colin Kaepernick uh-huh. because he's going to play a full season underneath... 
Harbaugh in the system and a starting yeah. quarterback, so no controversy of him being a backup. I yeah. think this is a good wake-up call for him. He's done very well. The only problem is he's not a sophomore because this is his second year in the league. Yeah. It's not going to be like Cam Newton where he's absolutely just awful bashing his team this year. Well, he would. I mean, to be actually, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Cam Newton, his numbers are actually still very good. I mean, the team wasn't that good, but honestly, I didn't expect it to be that good. I, I feel that so many Carolina fans had oh, supersized expectations after what they did last year, even though the team is basically the same, and the defense is still garbage. So, and that's what, you know, caused why they weren't that good this year. So, well, that's just my thought. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair. I mean, his immaturity definitely was a problem early on. But, yeah, I mean, they also got a, they played well down the stretch. And so and I think Newton really as a whole actually had a solid year. Brian Khalil did uh, write a letter to the uh, Charlotte Observer saying we were going to win the Super Bowl. Yikes. That went a long way really fast. But, uh, yeah, I think Colin Kaepernick could do very well because yep. he has great weapons at wide out. Randy Moss be back this next year, or is he gone? Uh, I think Randy Moss. You know, I don't know with Randy Moss. I think that's a good question. Uh, I think he may be gone, but I really don't, I really don't know with him. I, you know, he's such a wild card. So, but I, if I had to put money on it, I think he may be gone. Because Crabtree, if he stays out of trouble, is very good. Vernon Davis. Yep. Uh, Frank Gore. Good yep. offensive line. Good defense. And they drafted a guy in the first round. They reached for A.J. Jenkins, who was like fourth round, third or fourth round pick that they took in the first round because, you know, that's what they do. So they did, and he did nothing this year. So I think they're also probably – and they wanted him to be a speed threat. So I think they may want to start using him, get him in the mix, and take time away from Randy Moss. Which Randy Moss thinks he's the greatest receiver of all time. He may take offense to that, so, you know. Yeah, and he didn't win a Super Bowl either. He did not win the Super Bowl. Very upsetting. But, yeah, he um, he could be a potential breakout. I like to see Colin Kaepernick do well. Love his celebration, though. Mm. Uh, I know you do. His oodles of tats. But, I know uh, you do. Mike gets uh, a couple hundred myself. Some of those henna tattoos. Yeah. Not permanent to uh, my mom out there listening. Yeah. But uh, who do you think is going to be a breakout player? You know, looking at breakout guys, I think that a guy that could really break out next year, I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm going to throw out Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill coming into this year. Dolphins quarterback. Yep. Very, very raw. He'd only played quarterback full-time for a couple years, really a year and a half, at Texas A&M. And I thought, I mean, he was up and down, but that was to be expected because, like I said, he was raw, he's young, and he doesn't have a whole lot around him. I mean, the receivers are not great. Brian Hartline was had a very good year, and he's also, but he's also a free agent, so I think they could go receiver in the draft, maybe Keenan Allen or uh, Corderell Patterson out of Tennessee. But I really think that Ryan Tannehill, he's playing – Joe Philbin's a very good quarterbacks coach. Mike Sherman's a very good quarterbacks coach, and the offensive quarter who was his coach at in College Station. So I really think that Ryan Tannehill. I'm not expecting a whole lot of the team next year, but I think that Ryan Tannehill could be a breakout guy. I mean, a little quarterback heavy in our uh, breakout players, but I'm just looking at it in terms of that. I think Ryan Tannehill could uh, surprise next year. Have a very good year. That's a very tough division. He does. Against defenses, they're very good. Well, I mean, well... I, I guess not really that good. Yeah, I'm, and you know, look at the division. It's New England, who are always... are gonna, still going to be down for a couple 
few more years. The Jets. The Jets are a fiasco. They're and laugh. the Bills are garbage. So, and I hate to break it to our good friend Aaron Vale. But we'll probably hate you for that. She probably will hate me for that, which is unfortunate, and for multiple reasons. I won't get into why. But, I mean, the Bills are not that good, and I'm pretty certain she'll admit that the Bills are not that good. So I really think that there's some latitude. And they, you know, they they were thought to be a threat a couple times to get to 500. It's not that crazy. So, you know, you never know. Well, two quarterbacks to do well. We have a bunch of – because this year we had great uh, – Calvin Johnson broke uh, Jerry Rice's record for single-season catching yards. Yep. Adrian Peterson almost reached um, was it Eric Dickerson's single season yep. rushing record. Eric came pretty close. Uh, Alton Smith almost broke Strahan's sack record. So yeah, we've had a, a great year. Um, glad to see the other uh, Broncos back doing well. That they'll probably be very they'll probably be a threat next year. As always, the Patriots, as I said last week on the show, most likely will win the Super Bowl. But uh, coaching changes. One of the teams I'd like to see do well next year is the Bears. Because it'd be really cool if a CFL uh, coach yep. could uh, do something in the NFL. But enough NFL talk. We'll go to college basketball where uh, we yeah. we absolutely love that on on this show. As last week we said to watch out for Michigan Indiana, which was a phenomenal game. Yeah. Down to the wire, Indiana ended up winning. But um, as looking on Beefo360.com uh, and watching the game last night. Little did we know that the Hoosiers would have ended up losing yeah. earlier this week. And here's the... Here's a soundbite from the game-winning play, which we can get more into that. Nate Peralt, the last-second miracle here at home. So number one falls again, and you noted on your uh, on your blog is the eighth time in eleven weeks or something like that. Uh, well, it's the fifth week in a row that number one has gone so down. So Duke got blown out against uh, Miami, Miami, and then well, I guess it's it dated back more than that. It was, it was Duke first at UNC State, then Louisville, yeah, losing to Syracuse, Duke at Miami, and then um, Michigan losing to Indiana. Yep. And then Indiana losing this time. And uh, joining us now on the uh, Blog Talk Radio hotline is a good friend of mine. He is our Indiana resident from uh, Bloomington, uh, I, I guess IDIN is the uh, is Ross Schumacher on the line. Straight out of Indiana University, how are you? Hey, Mike, I'm doing good. How are you, man? Okay, your Indiana Hoosiers have gone through probably the wildest season so far this year. Preseason yep. number one, then... Uh, Losing to Butler in a close game, mm-hmm. overtime game, and then mm-hmm. hitting Big Ten play, uh, beating Michigan, a very exciting game last Saturday. And then you guys mm-hmm. lose to Illinois. What is up with your Hoosiers? Man, it's frustrating. That's how I describe it. I mean, I think honestly, when we play to our full potential, uh, if, you know, if we have a night where we're on, and even if the other team that's on, I think we can beat everyone. But we sometimes, I mean, we have a freshman in our starting five that plays big minutes, Yogi Farrell, and we got a lot of youth coming in. I know we have seniors, and they always talk about that, but 
sometimes I feel like we just make mental lapses in really bad moments. And teams that try to play us one up, like like Michigan, they came in and they were like, okay, we think Mitch McGarry can guard Cody Zeller. You know, they thought that uh, Horford could guard him, and he couldn't. And it's like teams that try to play us one up, we get we we get to we beat. But teams that get these like weird like zone defensive schemes, they just make us like I don't know. We with a freshman point guard, whenever we see teams that have kind of more interesting defenses, we choke. We had like I think we had like twenty turnovers last night, and I don't know. I I still think. You know, we're going to win the Big Ten, make a deep tourney run. But games like this really frustrate me because when teams like Illinois beat us and only have two Big Ten wins, it gets every other underdog in the Big Ten thinking they can knock us off too. And that just doesn't make our road any easier. Because now you guys go into uh, Columbus uh, this yeah. week, games on Sunday at Ohio State that just came off a close the loss against um, Michigan uh, on yeah. Tuesday night. So are you mm-hmm. concerned about that when uh, Aaron Crafts and company played you guys? Man, I'm really concerned about that. Uh, traditionally, since I've been here, you know, the past four years, Ohio State has trashed us in Columbus. Like, I think we've gotten beaten by 40 points twice there in the past four years at Columbus. By by the same, I mean, by the players that someone got. They had Solinger for a couple of those years, but we just have trouble playing. We just have trouble playing on the road in general, and – and Ohio State's going to be tough. I'm I'm worried about the game. I think we can do it, though. I think if we play well and we just, you know, control ourselves on offense, I think we can beat them. I think it'll be tough. But, I don't know. It, it, if you look at the historical aspect the past four years of this team, we we get trashed there. So, we'll see. But I think even if we lose at Ohio State, all's not lost. I think we still have a chance to go 14-4 and four and at least get a share of the league. But we'll just have to see what happens. You guys are currently in a three-way tie with uh, Michigan and Michigan State, who has come out of nowhere this year. Yeah. Look at the remainder of your schedule, you have, I mean, you have Nebraska and Purdue uh, both at home, but then mm-hmm. Michigan State and Minnesota, who was up in the top ten earlier this year, mm-hmm. going down the road, Ohio State and Michigan. And yeah. you guys, th- so you guys think you're going to win the Big Ten Conference regular season, or like? Yeah, I think I think we have a shot because um, Michigan, they're going to be going to Michigan State here pretty soon, and that's where I think I have that marked down as a loss for them. And I think Michigan will lose at least one more, giving Michigan uh, – they'll give them three losses in conference. And then I think we're going to lose one more, giving us three. So I have a feeling we're going to share a part of the league. That, I mean, just looking at it, I mean, it's going to be a stretch. I could definitely see us dropping two more games, going to 14-4, and four, and getting second place, and then just seeing what happens in the Big Ten um, turning. Uh, but I don't know. It, right now, it's frustrating. I mean, the play, this play, the expectations in Bloomington are so much different than they were even last year. Like last night, you know, you go to the bar, like to go watch the game. Soon as that shot went in from Illinois and we got beat, the place just cleared out. People were just oh, yelling, screaming. It's just there's a lot of pressure here in this place to do well. But I think we are going to do. Well. I think we are going to put it back together. But look on the bright side. Do you think these lo- these losses are sort of good for you? Because you know, Big Ten is the best conference in the country this year, and if you mm-hmm. lose close games like this, it seems like you're more tournament tested, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you look at the top five right now, outside of Florida, I think we have. I mean, ev- everything's lost. I don't think we've had that truly devastating bad loss yet. Like Kansas, they got beat by the worst team in the Big Twelve. Like. 
Duke got smashed by 30 by Miami. Uh, I guess Michigan has only lost us. But still, it's, I don't know. I, I think we can pull that. And I think, like you said, playing in the Big Ten is really going to help us come tournament time. Because I think we've seen the best backcourt in the nation in Trey Burke and uh, Hardaway Jr. So it's going to help us. But, man, the Big Ten is just tough this year. So you guys don't really have a bad loss because Illinois at one point was tenth in the country because they were on a like a ten game yeah. streak. They beat Gonzaga uh, in I Gonzaga mean, actually, and then yeah. Butler, who was I think is still in the top ten. Yeah, and, uh, and to give, give Illinois some credit, they have a legit NBA two guard on their team, and Brandon Paul, and they shoot a lot of threes. And man, we just we pissed that game away again. Yeah. So how do you think? How do you think? Uh, quick turnaround. The games on Sunday. What does Indiana have to do uh, going to Columbus? Man, it's it's going to be rough. Like I said, quick turnaround. We've traditionally gotten trashed in Columbus. We got to figure out something. I when we see like a weird switch switching kind of zone, because Zeller Zeller's going to get doubled. Zeller's going to get doubled. Honestly, does not have a post like a five guy who I think they can think who I think that can match up in the one-on-ones are. So we just have to know Zeller's going to get doubled. They're going to do some zone stuff down low. And we just, I don't know. So many of our passes, I feel like they get tipped away. Are these, like, little, it's like, bounce entry passes that we're trying to throw to Zeller whenever he's clearly getting fronted or pushed out of the paint. And it just really frustrates me. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I trust Green to figure it out. But this is, this is I mean, I would literally take any other team in the Big Ten on the road this Sunday than Ohio State. Okay, so that game is uh, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern on uh, CBS. Ross Schumacher, thank you once again for taking the time and joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Hey, no problem, Mike. You take care, man. Very excited for that game. Uh, Absolutely. That's, uh, that's uh, Tim Brandt. Oh, Jim Nance will be on that game, won't he? No. It will be uh, Kevin Harlan and Clark Kellogg. Kevin Harlan's doing the game. Yep. I did some great NBA game last night with uh, your boy Reggie Miller. Both of those games suck last night. We'll get to that in a minute uh, after the commercial break. But to wrap up our college basketball scheme, mm-hmm. uh, Ross was mentioning uh, entry passes getting tipped. I feel like that really sounds familiar to a team that I know, that we it's close to our hearts that happened uh, numerous times. That's the American Eagles. As they take on Colgate this Saturday for the second half of Patriot League play, as we pull up the uh, PL stats, they start the second half of conference play this Saturday, and what are some things that you would like to see the Eagles turn around for the next seven games to ultimately help them earn home court advantage in the come conference tournament play in March? Yeah, well, I mean, home court advantage in terms of, like, getting a home game in the uh, tournament, I mean, yeah, I mean. I think it's fans to come out. Uh, I don't know if the fans are going to come out because – it is whiteout, free t-shirt for the first thousand students in attendance. It is the whiteout game? Or is it just they just give out the free white t-shirt? I thought the whiteout game was the last home game. No, it's a uh, Hall of Fame game. Well, I guess it could be the same. Oh, it is the, oh, it is the Hall of Fame game. Bobblehead nine two weeks. It is. That is true. I mean, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. It is a later start at three, which means I'm going to have to get TDR because I've got to go see a play at eight for a class over by... Union Station, that'll be great tomorrow. Oh, yeah, this is tomorrow night. Crap. Um, 
And I don't know what the crowd's going to be, because, like, last week you had Phil Bender, you had the free pizza, soda, all that. And the week before you had, what do we have? It was women's. Oh, no, or the, the day, the, what was last Wednesday? Yeah, uh, or, or you had Bucknell. You had Bucknell, so, I mean, Colgate's not great. They're, uh, not. Tied for fourth with us, though. Tied for fourth with a little bit of a, uh, a mob right now with the, us and Army. It's been uh, very surprising this year. You used to be the laughing stock in the conference. Yeah, they're, you well, know, baby. cranking around 500. But I don't know if we're going to get a huge crowd because... It's not a great opponent, and I don't think there's really anything that's going to drive folks to go to the game. But I plan on going, far as something unexpected. I know you'll be there, right? I will be there. There you go. See, that's all that matters. It's a must win. We can't lose. If we lose the Colgate, we don't get a four seed. That's a plan and simple. Because we have Buck not only high on the road. We lost yet our last game of the year, but yet we got blown out against them, lost by like 20. Yeah. We went out to their place in Easton, PA. Yep, great town. Uh, lost the Holy Cross on the road by 20, 19. Lost the Army on the road by, like, 15. So, these are must-win games. I never thought I'd say that in, uh, for American University. Yeah. We can't, essentially, we can't lose. Granted, going 7-0 in the second half of play is very tough yeah. for a team that has yet to find its identity. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. But, hey. As long as we don't get the seventh seed, I'll be very happy. Because yeah. right now, overall, we have the second-worst conference in our league, in a league that's not the best conference in the country, according to the uh, according to ESPN Insider. Yeah. Yeah, Northeast Conference and the Big South are the two worst. Yeah, no, the Big South is god-awful. We can win in the Big we, South. We, we probably could. Club team, our club team can win in the Big South. Probably good. Actually, not really, but... Uh, but big uh, big games kind of this weekend, as we mentioned, Sunday is uh, the number one Indiana Hoosiers against Ohio State, and then Saturday with full tilt of games with Michigan Wisconsin. It's at Wisconsin it's on ESPN at 12 noon tip off Eastern time. That's a big game because Wisconsin upset Indiana earlier this year. Yep. Bo Ryan uh, has his team coming out great. They beat uh, a ranked Minnesota team as well. Good outside shooters. Good big men that can shoot the three. Uh, Kansas at OU, and as Ross and your blog mentioned, they lost to TCU on the road. Had scored 13 points at halftime. Also coming off a loss against Okie State at home, snapping their home win streak. Mm-hmm. The Jayhawks will kill Oklahoma, won't they? Uh, I really think they're going to drill Oklahoma. I really think because that, that game, to lose to TCU, who are absolutely awful, Lost one game in conference before then by less than 10 points. It was nine to a bad Texas Tech team. They lost by 21 to West Virginia, 17 to Texas. This team beat Navy, Prairie View A&M, and... Who hasn't beat Navy? We beat Navy. We beat Navy by by 24. And who's the other team? Wow. I pulled this up. They beat three off, like, really off... I think it might have been Lamar and or somebody like that. And those three teams were god-awful. They they beat them by a combined ten points. In other words, that's less than how much we crushed Navy by. TCU was awful. They are awful. And somehow they beat Kansas. I still can't complain, explain it. 
except for the fact that on the field for the field, Kansas shot twenty nine. Southern, Southern, it might have been Southern. Was it Southern? It was. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, it was uh, Navy, Prairie View, and no, it wasn't Southern. It was Mississippi Valley State. That's who it was. The Delta Devils were awful. I think they have like three wins on the year, and. Yeah, I mean, let's just be frank. This TCU team is god-awful. How they beat Kansas, nobody in their right mind knows. But, you know, Kansas could not shoot the ball at all. They were dreadful. They only scored 16 points in the first, or 14 points. It's, I, a friend of mine called me after I got back. Uh, uh, I don't remember where I was. And he's like, yo, you have to put turn this game on. They And it was like... Six minutes to go in the first half, and Kansas had like six points. And so somehow TCU was able to outlast them. They led the whole game. So, But I really think that Kansas is going to drill Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's a decent team. They're not great. But I really think they're going to drill them. Yeah, I mean, OU team very impressive. K-State. Uh, shout out to my uh, boy James Rochella and uh, his roommate, uh, Mbe. I don't know his first name. Uh, Math Mbe. Guy gets the uh, top ten highlights. Uh, good Oklahoma team in home. Uh, at home, Norman's always a tough place to play. But uh, Kansas, uh, they should probably score a hundred, if not more, in the really? game. Well, I mean, it's with and like the anger issue, you know, losing two mm. conference games in a row. A game I might actually ditch Saturday to go watch if tickets are still available. Butler comes down and plays George Washington. Ah, how about that? And uh, I mean, it's not enough. Butler's going to kill him. But uh, GW, hey, take the Metro down there, go see that. And the only ranked on ranked. Games we have Louisville and Notre Dame, which I think Notre Dame could win. I think they could. Mike Gray Ball. I think that's uh, that's the uh, the game day game. Very excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, the Irish have a very strong home winning streak as well, with good three point shooting. One of the most efficient three point shooting teams in the country, I might add. And then uh, Pitt and Cincy. And Pitt's only ranked because they beat Syracuse. Uh huh. But uh, that's gonna be for our college basketball expertise. We'll take a quick break when we come back. We actually talk soccer on this show and wonder why the USA is struggling and could possibly not qualify for the World Cup. But stay with us. You're listening to Fnac Radio on blogtalkradio.com. Brought to you by the Red U program of Procter & Gamble. This is the Red U Facebook page to learn more of healthy habits and saving money and our good friends at Awala. Thank you. 
Beyonce Hung halftime show. Uh, good halftime show, I might add. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I like all the old school music. Uh, she came out to Crazy in Love, which is my favorite song of all time. Really? It is. Uh, because I remember back when I used to play soccer, one of my, uh, uh, back when we had uh, CDs. Uh, CD uh, I remember CDs back in the day. <laughs> uh, I got a, My mom gave me a CD. Or she had it because she originally bought it. It was, uh, oh, it was like the 04 Grammys or whatever. Oh. It had that, it had Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh, wow. It had some other random tidbits, but uh sung that, she sung Baby Boy featuring Sean Paul, which I had not heard, you know, since I was in middle school. Uh, then she sung her classics. And uh, Destiny's Child came out, my girl Kelly Rowland came out uh, with uh, Michelle, whatever her name is, Williams, I think. A good halftime show, nothing uh, went wrong, no uh, wardrobe malfunctions. Yeah. You know? I like the uh, effects, though, kind of cool. Yeah, especially that part when they had like eight Beyonce's dancing at once. Yeah. Like, whoa, what's going on? I think a lot of people were probably, I mean, weren't solely impressed on it because Jay Z wasn't there and all that, and no guest appearances. I basically thought no one was impressed by it because she had just sung the national anthem at the inauguration, literally two weeks before. So maybe they could have gotten someone else to sing at the inauguration, making her halftime show better than. Yeah, because I mean, what's interesting is that she did sing live at the Super. And maybe that's why it wasn't. She wasn't like going nuts like she usually does. Because usually you can go nuts when you've got the backup that you just have to lip sync. So I mean, who knows? So, um, but yeah, she's definitely wanted to. They definitely found someone to uh, you know get you know rock the spotlight with the inauguration and the Super Bowl. So you know, gotta do what you gotta do. All right, and uh, goes right into NBA talk because her husband owns the Nets. Your Nets? Yes, she does. Or he owned like point three percent or something like that, or one percent. Is it really that small? It's very, it's it's really small. I love how he makes it seem like it's a big deal that like he owns like half the team. Yeah, no, he, I don't even think he has that kind of money. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say that to hate on him. I'm just trying to be frank. 
All right, but uh, his team, actually not his team, but uh, a very popular team. We love talking about this show on the Lakers. Got drummed last night. It's both those games, uh, Lakers, uh, Lakers, Celtics, Bulls, Nuggets, a tale of four teams, two different sides. In that first game, you have a Lakers team that would won with it six out of seven. This is Kobe getting uh, double-digit assists on numerous games, thinking this is a new Lakers team that could finally win those games to get into the playoffs. They ended up losing by 20, didn't they? Uh, they got just yeah, yeah. What I what I can recall, I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking about the Lakers, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Lakers are just a mess right now. You've got that nonsense of Kobe saying that Dwight Howard should play. I mean, you can play hurt, but you can't play injured, and that's what Sir Charles said. That's what Sir Charles said last night, and so I really thought that. A lot of people disagree with me on uh, ESPN Sports Nation poll, but I mean, you really—does it really help anybody if you're going to tell somebody that he should be playing? That poll's garbage. Sports Nation makes no sense to me. And I mean, because I mean, especially with something like that, where people have you know have the torn later, it's hard to like you know move your arms and stuff, and that's you know key for him. And so I really think that you know what—is it really any of Kobe's business? I think it's more the doctor's business. And as Charles Barkley greatly said last night, which was hilarious, yeah, don't trust any of those team doctors. Get your own independent doctor. Don't trust the team doctors, which I thought was that was hilarious. I think I was supposed to illustrate it, calling it the Dwight Man. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, is the last thing you need is telling your all-star center, dude, to play. Yeah, come on. But, uh, but then they go to the Boston team. Has not as uh, I was the uh, all-star point guard, Rajon Rondo. Yeah, apparently they've only lost. They've undefeated. They haven't lost a game. Yeah. Without him. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the teams they've played. It's not like you know they're playing the best in the league, but they have looked very good. I'm very surprised. Well, they beat the Clippers. They did. They're a very good team. Yeah. Best in the West. They beat the Lakers, who I mean have great play- talent. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, and you but you look at them. They're sharing the ball. Avery Bradley is done. And, uh, Avery Bradley, one of my uh, guy, I always really like. And they've been sharing the ball with Jeff Green, who is a guy I hate and think really overrated. He's played really well. He had heart surgery. You can't hate a guy like that. Why not? <laughs> Just because he has heart surgery, he's, you know, he's freaking Christ. Come on. <laughs> he's a good He's stepped up, though. Uh, yeah, Jared Solinger. Jared Solinger is another player that's yeah, done well. Yeah, there you go. Doc Rivers just finds a way to turn bench players into, into good contributors. Brandon Bass. I thought Jaron Collins is on the Celtics. Better than Jaron Berman, as always. Jaron Collins. I saw him on the floor. Marquise Daniels. I don't think he plays anymore. But the Jet, the Trader Terry. Um, interesting. I wonder if Boston, it'd be interesting to see if Boston keep that up. Uh, with with it's perfect that the Lakers are fighting amongst each other. Yep. Because uh, they're not going to make the playoffs now at this. Point. They had it's sort of like ebbs and flows. They might get another five game win streak, but yeah, the West is too good as we. Continuously said on this show. But speaking of a good team in the West, and they're currently the four seed now if the playoffs were to start right now, is uh, the Denver Nuggets. Yep. Who trashed the Chicago Bulls 128-96. Yeah. Scoring 37 points in the third quarter. They came out and blew the doors off of a Bulls team that started to find uh, their groove uh, without Derrick Rose. But yeah. now it seems like the Bulls are sort of nudging at the fact that, hey, he should, he should come back anytime soon, right? Yeah, I mean, as they said on the broadcast, uh, if you're going to – first off, Chicago with their team, 
they're a defensive team right now. They don't have a huge amount of offense, and so they really have to focus, you know, keeping it low-scoring games. You can't get can't get into shootouts, but they don't have the firepower right now. And they especially you can't get into a high-flying scoring game in Denver. Not only because Denver's offense loaded, and I'm a big fan. They're extremely athletic. I'm a big fan of this Nuggets team. That and also, you know, you're playing at a higher altitude. So really, I mean, you have to, if you're going to do that, you need your offense to be clicking, and it clearly wasn't because they're limited without, I mean, let's be frank, they're limited on offense without Derrick Rose. So, I mean. Nate Robinson is your point. I mean, Nate Robinson, who's actually played all right, surprisingly. He's still more trying to be more of the showman than, uh, you know, being an actual basketball player. But he's actually been surprisingly not awful this year. So, how about that? All right, fans, don't forget, uh, you can catch the rest of this episode on the podcast on iTunes. Search Fanatic Radio, look at the logo with the uh, radio tower with the colorful airwaves. Once again, uh, Fanatic Radio, you can catch uh, our interview with Ross Schumacher, our own Indiana Hoosier insider. Uh, worried about his team, they're going to get drummed Sunday against Ohio State. You can also listen to the upset against uh, the Illinois put on last night. But, yeah, interesting. Tale of, two, tale of four teams. The Nuggets are a, a great team to watch. The other problem is they don't play that much defense uh, because a lot of the big, I mean, their bigs look great, though. Yeah, Wilson Chandler back in the lineup, which is phenomenal, uh-huh. who has gone to China, has some injuries. Uh, George Carl seemed like he is starting to contain a goofy JaVale McGee. Yeah. Because uh, he, uh, Kenny Smith said some quote that George Carl said. I don't know right now. I'll bring it up later. But then you have uh, Ty Lawson, uh, Andre Iguodala, Kenneth Fareed, yep. who is a monster. New Jersey legend. That's right. Yeah, they mentioned they gave a shout-out to your state last night about that. So interesting of those games. Right? Better than the Dallas Mavericks, that's for sure. But uh, it was announced this week in the New York Daily News report that uh, David Stern thinks that the NBA should start uh, doing some HGH testing. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, I don't see why not. I mean, I can see the players fighting it, because players usually fight stuff like that. You know, players are a bit of a mess right now. They're uh, trying to oust the, uh, that moron that is Billy Knight. I don't see anything wrong with Hunter. it. Or Billy Hunter, I should say. Well, yeah, what's going on with that? Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they want to get him out because he, you know... He's all a been you know just awful as executive director as the uh, NBPA. He's you know a clown, and also their uh, uh, controversy that he has been um, uh, pay- having uh, family members on the NBPA payroll. That's not good. So that's a big reason why they want to get him out, but also because he's inept. So, but yeah, so I really got nothing wrong with HGH. I don't know how much it was particularly helping the NBA of all leagues uh, compared to the N- N- NFL or MLB, but I got nothing problem with it. Well, so some of these players are putting out like 40 or 48 minutes a night. Yeah. Consistently. It's not like the NFL, you know, we just play one game for essentially, you know, 20 weeks. Yeah. You're playing, a lot of these guys are playing 82 game, full 82 games, more playoff games. I'm surprised this hasn't been said sooner. Because yeah. look at a lot of the players in the NBA, and there's some of them that are just phenomenal athletes, like LeBron James, among others. But then you have some of these guys that it's like, really? You know, I watched them in college, and they were not this good before. Especially guys during the lockout, and then, you know, how they came back and did so well. I mean, I guess, you know, it's your day job. You're practicing every day. Uh-huh. But uh, glad that they're considering it. 
uh, Dave Stern told WCCO Radio, so our players have been terrific, but this leads into some way saying we do not have them less than the best. Of course, it's funny that uh, Dave Stern wants that, uh, considering that we broke the story earlier this year, or I guess last year in 2012, that he'll be leaving yeah. as NBA commissioner. But, uh, always good NBA talk. Let's go to soccer now. Are you a soccer fan, Flo? I, uh, you know, I don't... Uh, I, I kind of follow it a little bit. I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I don't mind it. It's all right. We had our ha- ever ha- uh, our handful of good soccer guests, including a uh, flesh and blood myself, my brother, whose roommate. Gotta give a shout out to Taylor Morgan. He's training in Orlando with uh, Toronto FC. Nice. So he's down in Orlando, and a player he played with, Dylan Powers, went the number 11 pick in the 2012 or 2013 MLS Super Draft. Wow. To the Colorado been- Rapids. So, uh, as my brother is saying, just uh, waiting for the phone call. But um, you know what one team isn't waiting for the phone call is the United States national team. Here's what some of the players had to say, and we'll get to in a moment. After the 2-1 loss to open up, final rounds of World Cup qualifying in the CONCACAF. Yeah, not the way we wanted to start. Um, But, look, it's a long road. You know, nobody... Nobody on our end expects to to go 10-0-0. You know that's that's the reality. There's there's six good teams. There's there's tough tough stadiums to play and there's tough atmospheres, and we have to continue to keep a strong mentality. Continue to have the the confidence, the belief um, that that over 10 games our quality will come out that our mentality will will ride us through uh, but it's a difficult game we knew it was always going to be tough uh but especially dealing with the conditions of you know most of these guys are playing in europe and you're coming here today and it's like 90 degrees the game's at three o'clock and you know i mean both teams are having to deal with the, those same type of conditions but it's a difficult game because you can't um you know press and run and have the endurance that, that you know, you would have in, in other games because, you know, there's different conditions and trying to adjust to that and trying to, you know, play uh, was, was frustrating today. But, you know, you got to keep going. Look, it's never when you, you're playing in a situation like this where points are on the line, you never want to start with, with zero. Um, but you can't panic. You know, there's, there's nine more games to go. Um, you know, we get a home game next. And, and you know, you just have to... to to look at things from from this game, uh, see see things that can be tweaked, can be improved, but know that uh, you know, at this point the the three points in the next game are, are crucial. Those are uh, midfielders Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey, Texas native, a New Jersey native Bradley, and yep. uh, Nacogdoches, Texas native Clint Dempsey. And we're Google mapping Nacogdoches. It's basically there it is on the map. It's almost the border of Louisiana, it's a few a few hours away from Shreveport. A couple hours away from Dallas. Yeah, it's about, about three hours away from Dallas. So losing two one okay. Honduras. Granted, it was on the road and playing in Caribbean countries, as uh, our good friend Bruce Arena used. Or as who used to coach the United States national team? I think it was Bruce Arena, who's now the LA Galaxy coach. Yeah. Said it's never an easy task and you always hated. Yeah. So, I want to say some other player or some other coaches said that, but gloss over that later. Basically, for our non-soccer fans, the United States is now in the final stages of World Cup qualifying, where it started with like 20 teams taking all small islands, say Kitsa Nevis and uh, yeah. Costa Rica, our favorite, dest- our favorite vacation destination, Snack Radio. Absolutely. We can give away a trip if we wanted to, and we might uh, for spring break. You never know. 
Uh, I don't we remember Panama. But, uh, of course we don't. Yeah. Always keep it on your toes. But now it's down to six teams, Honduras, Costa Rica, Panama, Jamaica, Mexico, and the United States. Those six teams all play each other, and the top three teams from – are they the top two teams? And then a potential wild card, because then it gets tricky with the third team. The top two teams make it to join the other, thir- other 30 teams in Brazil for the World Cup. So there's ten games the United States has to play. Yeah. And they start off as the only team out of those six with a loss. They were up 1-0 in the 35th minute. Honduras scored quickly after the tie-up, and then the United States couldn't get the one point, and they had a goal scored. Pretty sloppy, terrible defensive goal in the 79th minute, which is, or I guess in the 81st minute, which in soccer time is, is, is you know, you're hell in a handbasket there. It's really hard to score again. Yeah. But, uh... Knowing the lack of knowing the soccer knowledge that we have, you being a uh, I'm not gonna say a novice because your know, your knowledge of sports is uh, stretches beyond the eons of most of the wonderful people on this campus. But uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, we do think so. Oh, well, there you go. But uh, and it's so in your case, it's bad to lose the first game out of ten, isn't it? Well, I mean... It's a time to panic if you're a USA soccer fan. It's one of those things where you don't want... Ideally, you don't want to lose... I would assume you don't want to lose any games at all. But I feel like if you lose a game early, especially to a team that's really not that good in Honduras, regardless of where the game was played, it really does put you in a little bit of a bind. And then you have to start, you know, you have to start to worry a little more because then you... Then the tiebreakers and points could really come exactly. down to the end. And your, you know, back start to, be, you know, get... Uh, you know, be, start to be pushed against the wall, and you have a little more pressure where, all right, we've got to win these games. And, you know, and then if you, the problem with that, there are games that you probably won't be able to win. Yeah. For example, if we, when we play Mexico, I mean, I think we can all be honest, Mexico is probably a better team than we are. Let's just be frank. Even though they are uh, one, they did draw with, Jamaica. Um, they did draw Jamaica. They almost, I mean, of course, they almost scored three times in the final minute. Yeah, so th- there's also that. So I really think that it really puts our backs in the wall. Now we've got a whole lot more pressure. Because, uh, re- I mean, you don't want to lose at all, like I said. And hopefully what I'm saying makes sense. No, it does. It does. Because then it gives you a little more uh, breathing room later that where you can afford a, a loss. Now you really, you know, that you lose a little bit of that. So... Never good. We should have beaten Honduras. I mean, let's just be frank. And now, you know, we're gonna have to see what goes on from here. Well, see, then, then Panama, I have to say, are the two easiest teams because Mexico's gonna kill us when we go down there to play because we did upset them in a friendly uh-huh. last summer. Which I was is there. Awesome. We were there. We uh, we, we were there. We smuggled the flow across the border just yep. to see our boys in white, without, red, white, and blue win without a passport. <laughs> Really? I don't have a passport. I don't remember it. I've, I've never left the country. I'm planning on getting one this summer, fun fact. I need to renew mine. Yeah, I haven't, yeah I mean, I I've never got one. one. I've never left. We can do it. we go back to Cancun soon. Yes! Uh, a Jamaica team, that, which we, this USA team lost to in the previous round of qualifying in Kingston. We had essentially had to come <laughs> back and win 1-0 just to salvage us to get to the final six. Uh, Panama team, which we lost to in the Gold Cup, Two years ago, that's when Bob Bradley was coaching. That was just awful. Yeah. You're a garbage trash team. And Costa Rica, who's made the past two World Cups, always a good team to play. Yeah. Our 
It's, I mean, it's not good, but it's a good wake-up call. It's yeah, sort of like if that you're is an, true. It's sort of like if you're an undefeated team in college basketball, like unlike this year, which is really funny. Yeah. But uh, like the years that Memphis would go undefeated or Kentucky, it's around Calipari teams, I guess. Yeah. It's just sort of the common theme. Always got to lose that that one game to sort of. It's like teams that do really well in the regular season and lose in their conference tournament. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, this is what we need to do to get better. But first of all, replacing you can't replace Carlos Bocanegra, which is what they did. And he's your captain. That's like saying, you know, Stephen Lumpkins, you can't play. Uh, for AE reference. Yeah. Or, uh, I can't really get football. Like Tom Brady, you can't play. Yeah. Uh, we need to give young guys a chance. Who Who's their backup, even? Oh, is uh, Ryan Mallett their backup? Uh, I believe it's Ryan Mallett. Ryan Mallett. Our good friend, Brian Hoyer. Sad day. Of course, Matt Castle was a disaster in Kansas City. <laughs> we'll gloss over that. Hopefully the Chiefs pick uh, Leon Sandcastle in the first round. That would be awesome. Fingers crossed for that. I would be 100% day. down for that. But you look, these are the next three games, because this, this thing goes all the way to October when the United States ends up in Panama City, which I could actually go to, because I have a roommate, ex-roommate, that lives in Panama. Really? Hopefully he still uh, loves me enough to... Bear some housing. I'll buy the ticket, Jose. That's his real name, though. I'm not lying when I say that. But uh, the next two games, next two games they oh play, my. which is uh, a disaster for USA fans because it's uh, two games in four days. Which, Ooh. when you look, when you look at it though, it's it's a it's a blessing in disguise because Jurgen Klinsmann put the United States on a five games in two weeks challenge. Uh huh. When they played multiple friendlies. They played Brazil last year. Who lost to England, but of course England's like sixth in the world. We look at FIFA rankings. Yeah. And then they played Russia at the end of the year. They're actually playing Germany in the uh, the summer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sources have told me that some of the German Federation guys are going to come down and inspect the good old Ries Field. Ah, yeah. So welcome as, to German. As the uh, American University uh, uh, Wikipedia page, Reeves Field is one of the top soccer pitches in the D.C. area. Yeah, that's where Brazil trained for the end of waxing United States and FedEx Field. I love to see the Germany team play. But um, also Landon Donovan wasn't playing in that game. Yeah. Which, I mean, questions are saying is he on his last leg. But no, I would keep playing that guy until the wheels fall off. He is immortal. He's been playing since he's like 21 years old, and he's like 35 now. Yeah. Which in soccer years is like you're 50. He's like Mark Martin still racing. Yep. Throwing, Mark a, throwing a NASCAR. He's like 50, 54. 55. Uh, yeah. He he's, is. A, he's the new Silver Fox. He is this year's Ricky Rudd, who is my cousin's favorite NASCAR driver. Ricky Rudd. Drive the, he won the Brickyard 497, the number 10 tied Ford. That's right. That I, mean, I think right. that's when he owned his own team, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey Road Racing. You know, you know, then he had a, went on, ran for Gates, had a good year, and had, had the Wood Brothers last win before uh, Trevor Bain. So, yeah. Looking forward. Our Daytona 500 coverage is, I guess, next week. We get is, Or yeah, two weeks two from now. Two weeks from Sunday. We'll talk about the, uh, the Sprint Unlimited yep. and understand why fans should or should not be involved in picking the rules for that race. We'll get to that <coughs> next week. But for soccer, they play at they play Costa Rica in Dick's Sporting Goods Park, which the U.S. could have a slight advantage because yeah. they'll, they'll go up and train yeah. in Colorado Springs. Yeah. That's where they go and train, get the altitude. Costa Rica hates going up north. That could be a potential win. That's a must-win, though. And then we go down to Mexico, yeah. which is a good thing that we're playing this game exactly. in Colorado. Exactly. Because I was going to say that. Similar, because Mexico City is relatively high altitude as well. And also, it's not a big travel as well going from Colorado. 
Right, and that's where Flo and I could uh, finally get his passport renewed and go down and... Uh, Absolutely. Get a passport in general, not even renewed. Exactly. It doesn't take that long. It's March 22nd and 26th of those two games I just said. So another big fan of the uh, the show and a uh, big soccer world last week's, which you forgot to mention, we're glad to mention this week, is uh, here's David Beckham signed Big Bank for Paris Saint-Germain, one of the top con- uh, top clubs in the country, only to give his entire salary to charity. Oh, I'm very lucky. I'm 37 years old, uh, and I got offers, a lot of offers, more offers now than I've probably had in my career. Uh, at my age, so I'm very honoured by that. Um, I chose Paris was I chose Paris because I, I can see what the club are trying to do. I can see the players that the club are bringing in. You know, it's an exciting city. It always has been and always will be. But now there is a club that is going to have a lot of success over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm going to be playing in 10, 15, 20 years, but uh, for now, to be part of something that uh, is growing uh, is something that is very exciting to me. Um, so I'm very honoured that I'm part of this. I'm very honoured that I've been picked to be part of this, uh, the future of uh, PSG. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited and honoured with that. I've, every club that I've played for throughout the world uh, I've been successful with. I've been successful with Manchester United, and I, I've always said that I would never want to play for another English club because I have a lot of history with Manchester United. It's a team that I support. It's a team that I always dreamt of playing for, um, and I always said that unless it was Manchester United, I wouldn't want to play for any uh, Premiership team. I'm very honoured by the the offers that I had from the Premiership teams, but um, I didn't want to play there unless it was for Manchester United. Um, how much can I give? I have a lot of experience in the game. 37 years old, uh, over 13 or 14 championships, uh, trophies throughout my career. Um, played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, played with some of the best players in the world. Uh, and still being successful at 37 years old. And still being fit. You know, I can run around, I can still play like I could play when I was 21 years old. I've not lost any of my pace because, to be honest, I never really had a lot of pace throughout my career. So um, that hasn't changed. And the lure of being part of a big, one of the biggest European clubs around at the moment with one of the best managers. I was very lucky to have worked with Carlo uh, and Leo for uh, quite a few months in Milan. Um, for me, I, I said it at the time, Carlo is, is one of the best managers that I've played for. Um, so it's exciting on a number of number of levels. And so he's hitting at the fact of, uh, of Carlos. Um, basic, basically, in short, he used to play when David Beckham was on loan at uh, AC Milan when he was playing with the LA Galaxy. That is who coached AC Milan, and of course he did well there. But um, what are your thoughts on him giving his entire salary to charity? Um, You know, it's definitely a pretty nice thing to do. I mean, he's definitely got money hand over fist, so he can need somebody that can afford to do that. So, I mean, you know, why not? If uh, 
somebody like him, get some positive press out of it, you know, keep yourself a little relevant, give a little money to charity, pretty much everybody wins. So, you know, there you go. All right, the reason why, uh, basically in soccer, it's when a rich businessman comes in and uh, gives pretty much bankrolls a lot of money into the club, and that's where you get all these good players. So, there, PSG was, was average, if you can you know, ask any soccer person. Yeah. That was solid in France, but not really the big clubs like Barcelona or Manchester United, which exceeded, exceeded $2 billion in net worth, which makes them the richest team of all time, above my Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It's interesting that a soccer club, and they're owned by Malcolm Glazer, who yeah. owns the Bucks. Yeah. Of course, it's now he's more of a Man United supporter than he is a Bucks fan. Yeah, but, who but there are Man U, Man U fans that are not happy with what he's done over there. Because GM is now the official jersey sponsor of them uh, mm-hmm. next season. Yeah. Basically, the new guy in PSG, his name is Nasir Al Khalifa. He's a Qatari sports businessman. He's a professional tennis player. So he owns the Qatar Tennis Federation, current director of Al Jazeera Sports. So that's where he gets his money. Pretty much, it's sort of like uh, the guy that owns the Nets. Mikael Prokhorov. Yes, who Word on the Street was in the States a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he was actually at a game. We were surprised. But it sounds familiar, familiar to me because didn't Manchester City get bankrolled by some Arab businessman with a boatload of cash, and then they became like a powerhouse club? Well, they won the yeah, they won the league last year. Yeah. Um, their owner is yeah, I, I'm pretty certain it is uh, Khaldun Al Murbak, and he is uh, an Emirate businessman. There you go. And he uh, he's on the board of uh, First Gulf Bank and a Ferrari. Absolutely. So, that will get you a lot of uh, success. Because, of course, PSG now has uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's one of the best European players, I guess, of all time. And he's yeah. still playing at 30-plus years or however he is. But, uh... Yeah. Some some, uh, some big, solid stories before we get some tweets from Flo. Uh, mm. Did you hear that they're going to cut down? The ESPN reported they're going to cut down those famous oak trees at Auburn University. Yeah. Which essentially is like... Like those arches that uh, the University of uh, the of Missouri, exactly. Like basically they uprooted them all because of some idiot from uh, Alabama. Yeah. Has hinted in the ESPN thirty for thirty. It's sad, and basically for Auburn alums, that school's been around since you know the old South. Absolutely. That's like gutting the heart out of a university. Yeah, it really is. It really is a shame. And hopefully, if they can, they can try and build some. You know, put up some trees, plant some trees, so that they can you know even go on. Because it's really a shame. I mean, when, you know, we had so many great robberies, when some people, some fanatical people just take it way too far. And it really just ruins the, the whole purpose, you know? So. Hopefully the people from, uh, sympathies go out for the people in Auburn. Also, sympathies go out to uh, Arian Foster, who was reported a couple of weeks ago, he's getting heart surgery yeah. after this season. Yeah. Uh, that, that essentially could affect him in the rest of his playing career, Absolutely. couldn't it? Excuse me, absolutely. It really could. Are you getting bored by this? No, no, I'm just tired. I know. So, how was your week? I never got to answer, ask you that at the beginning of the show. It's uh, pretty good. It's gone uh, pretty good. No complaints. It's nice only having the four-day week. So, I've gotten used to that and loving it. So, yeah, how, how was your week, Ben? My week was all right. Uh, trying to figure out a very slow week in sports. Because after the Super Bowl, it pretty yeah. much dies down essentially until conference tournaments start. And pitchers and catch report. But for us, it doesn't start until the freaking day turn the 500. Absolutely. Like, coverage on Fox in two weeks. More um, 
sports news, Lindsey Vaughn's hospitalized yeah. after a wreck. I think it was she's at the, the World Cup of the Alpine Skiing in Austria. Um, and she's out for the season. Yeah. And could, it's a very, it's very uh, slight of a chance she could return for the uh, Sochi Olympics. Absolutely, yeah. Um, she's the best skier in the world at that point. I agree. And, you know, she's now became a famous celebrity. Everybody knows who she is. But she had won the World Cup uh, yeah. four times prior. She's had more World Cup victories than any other American defending Olympic yeah. gold medalist. And now she's uh, out with uh, two uh, knee yeah, ligaments. Yeah, she took a rough tumble as well. It was a, if you watched a video, it's a pretty rough tumble. You could tell that, you know, anybody would get her, especially, you know, a high, uh, such a, you know, such a great athlete as uh, as her. Because it's, it's technically, uh, that crash was on the 5th. Yeah. And that's exactly one year and two days mm-hmm. before they started the uh, Olympics. Of course, knee surgery and uh, skiing is not an easy. I mean, football is still rehab, mode, but skiing, that's you know, you're bad the entire time. Yeah. Going at the speeds they are. Mm-hmm. Speedy recovery from Mrs. Vaughn. Uh, she I hope so, absolutely. Happy she Olympics, is, though. She's beautiful. On a positive note, uh, our boy Lefty. Yeah. Was just a, what, a putt away from making yeah. golf history. Yeah, he was. He came this close, and by folks listening on the radio, he probably got to describe that. It's like two inches. It's uh, less than that. Pretty close. It was very close. It was. Uh, he actually. It looked like it was going to go in, but it lipped out. It rang around and went out, which is so much more painful than if he got it like within a foot, but it didn't go in because like when something like that, you think it's going to go in. Whatever dances around the cup. So, but yeah, he had a brilliant run, and he had a brilliant tournament. Had a tournament at uh, out in Scottsdale, Arizona, that he's always been great at. Kind of like Tiger the week before, and uh, out of Torrey Pines. So we could be looking at uh, potentially some great, a great year out of uh, both of them, which uh, I think is great for everybody in general. Yeah, even though uh, it's funny, Roy McIlroy is now the new face of Nike Golf, yeah. along with the Woods. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see those three go out at the Masters. That would be awesome. Because the Masters, the Masters awesome. is in April, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's in early April, and you know CBS will love that. If you got the three biggest stars in the sport right now going at, well, they'll love it if you get Tiger in the mix. They'll like they'll like it if you get Mixels in the mix. You get the two, and then you get McIlroy. That's uh, he tanked last year. He did. Oh, that was brutal. That we was covered it. We were all over that. Uh, Brandon Esposito, our golf analyst. Oh my. So let's find a new golf analyst. Cause he's abroad, and I don't want uh, our cell phone charges going up. He's in Australia. Yeah. But uh, is it good that yeah? Because apparently the. You said it was only happened what seven times? Yeah, only seven times has anybody shot a fifty-nine in, in like golf history. Yeah, so in the, you know, it's pretty it's hundred plus years. Of course, uh, our good friend Connor Trafton was getting very upset about it because uh, Sports Nation, uh, a lovable, uh, credible site for uh, yeah. comparing things, compared it to uh, hitting four hundred. Well, I mean, also you look at it. I mean, in terms of long, there are of more people that have hit four hundred than have shot fifty-nine. So I can get where that's coming. I also get his point, but I can get where the question comes from. But, you know. Hello. And we got the funk. Yep. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. Mm. Of course, on that note, it's time for our cricket playing segment. It's pretty slow. Basically, we go to twitter.com slash beefup360 and our never-ending quest to get flow certified. Because 
apparently I saw uh, the bag of goalkeeper for FC Dallas is certified. Uh, he really? has about 2,000 uh, like or followers. And I thought, well, if he has a certification, Benjamin Florence could as well. Because you change your profile picture. Look, it's more like a glamour shot of you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great shot. Uh, but one of the things I noticed on uh, the blog was because now Fox has the rights to uh, the World Cup. Gus Johnson's gonna start be do- is gonna start doing Starker soccer games, isn't he? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna start doing some games for the Fox Soccer Channel. Um, if you get it, you you may not, but there are some people that do. Um, and he's gonna do do a bunch. He's gonna do the uh, uh, the FA Cup final and the Premier League or the uh, Champions League final. Oh God! For Fox, so because they. It, they're taking a big risk because it's always thought that the game could really go if there's, you know, an identifiable American announcer, which I don't necessarily agree with. Well, it should be me, but I'm still I, calling. No, that is true. I agree. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but even though I see where it's coming from, I'm not a huge Gus Johnson fan anymore. I think he, you know, once he became more famous for his theatrics, he did begin to rely only on that and the rest of his broadcasting chops. Uh, took a nosedive, but and I think I don't like this move mostly because, like I said, I'm not a big Gus Johnson fan. But I do like that they are having him do a bunch of warm-up matches, high-profile matches, so he can get in the groove. He did a bunch of uh, did, I think a dozen San Jose Earthquakes games on radio. And a lot of people are like, why? Why was he doing that? So you know. I think it's a little intriguing. I think it could blow up in their face, but I could also see it potentially working out. But I don't love it, but I can see why it is. It's a tough. It's tough because soccer is a sport unlike any other. Yeah. In the sense that uh, the wonderful American University games I have done over the past few years, it's not a sport where you can stay excited. Yeah. For ninety minutes. Yeah. And then granted, and of course then you have halftime, so that's essentially two hours. It's very hard to stay excited. Because essentially you can't. Because a, a normal, you know, it's, it's, twenty-yard pass is not yeah, exciting. Yeah, and it's a little slow play as well. And it's, it's sort of it's a build-up. It's not like the NFL where I, I mean, you know, it's gonna be a sixty-yard touchdown pass or a break or run or a crunching hit. Yeah. Or in basketball where the score could, the soccer is sometimes a zero. zero. I, I'd love to see what he does in a zero-zero game. Yeah. Because what I should do for the what you should do for the World Cup, obviously hire me, whatever station is doing it, because I have a great experience. My resume is ready on tap. It'll be with, uh, yeah, wonderful ESPN references. 2014 and then Fox oh, 2018, which is what they're uh, building for. 2018, that's in uh, Russia, isn't that it? That is in Russia. Oh, jeez. That's a wonderful country to host that. And Qatar in 2020. There you go. It will be in oh, freaking seven years. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see what he does in the 0-0 tie, because... Yeah, you can't get excited in soccer, but at the right times. Which I think every World Cup should have Europeans do it, because they yeah pretty much have that sport on lock. They do. You think if Gus Johnson did NASCAR, that would really, be weird. Can't really stay excited for that long. Another interesting. You're tweeting big on the uh, Chuck versus uh, Shaq game. Yeah. The uh, the NBA, which I thought was a great idea, they revamped the uh, freshman, or not the freshman. Rookie-sophomore game. Rookie-sophomore game. That was sort of like a big batch. You sort of, and they sort of just pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think that's uh, uh, better. I think it's more fun when you get Shaq and Chuck in the mix. Because, I, mean, I mean, Shaq's team looks like crap. He's got, like, no guards, pretty much. But Who's I thought the team? same. Uh, I... Uh, Kenneth Freed, NBA.com, uh, 
check it out because fans can actually vote on the starting lineups. So I like it a lot more because it used to be the sophomore team would always win, except for a couple years when the rookies won. So I like it more. It, uh, it's got the potential for some hilarity because the, the GMs are Chuck and Shaq. So I think that, um, you know, it's uh, it's a much better format. So, yeah, I was tweeting that. And, yeah, I was watching that because that studio show was fantastic. That's what sports that should aspire to be like. That's what American University is actually trying to pitch, which is funny. Yeah. But, um... Uh, one more thing, and this is an audio clip. Did you have a chance to see uh, Karam Butler a couple of nights ago? I did not, unfortunately. All right, well, here's a... We'll get to what happened at, uh, in a minute, but here's our good friends at TSN on the call. Oh, there might be some reward if they get 100. I don't know, because the fans are really into this ball club. But there's no indication they're going to try to get off a shot. Butler with a takeaway and a loose ball. Brother, a clear pass to basketball may be called. Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, Butler was, like, congratulating. They were shaking the hands. Okay, so uh, I, excuse me for pronouncing, mispronouncing this guy's name. But uh, oh no, oh oh, now I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, it was Jonas uh, Valanciunas. I know exactly. I was confused initially what you were talking about. But um, yeah, basically what happened was Karan Butler basically put out to shake his hand, and you know Valanciunas is a rookie, comes from Lithuania, wonderful country. Clippers were up big. And it was kind of, you know, I felt like it was kind of, you know, a little cheap. You're taking advantage of a rookie, basically, a guy that, you know, is still getting used to the game. I didn't think it was really fair. And you're up big anyways. And so you, I, I didn't think that was – I thought that was not very classy and basically unnecessary. So, But wait, no, the Raptors were winning. Or the Clippers were winning, right? Yeah. Clippers were winning. They're up big. Yeah. And so the game was over. And then they just booze, showered Butler and booze. Yeah, it's funny if someone at AU did that. I feel like I feel like they would do. Who that. would be that? That's the thing. We don't have really much of. Uh, I can't really get to a word like call someone this, but you know, we don't really have a lot of jerks on an AU team. I agree. Well, first of all, we don't have. We couldn't. Navy's probably the only game we could have done this. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of guys that. I'm not going to target anyone out because they're all good friends of mine. Yeah, and, uh, the athletic department could have us on uh, placards and have us uh, on plinths. Or yes. uh, not plinths, plinths are, uh, what's the thing? Rotisserie uh, pickets. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, that'd be funny. I could see uh, a team like Kentucky doing this, though. I, I could. I don't know. Maybe stole the ball, though. Outside. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, final tweet before we end the show is that you said, I, like, I feel like a Matt Bonner-Steve Novak one-on-one pickup game would be fantastic. Why is that? Uh, I feel like because those are guys that can't do anything but shoot threes. <laughs> Matt Bonner's still with the Spurs? Yep, and they're both in the three-point contest, which, looking at the field of that, you got those two. You got, who else is it? I think Irving. Um, it's a pretty pretty loaded team. A pretty, couple loaded teams because the All-Star Saturday now is it's now more East versus West. Which I think is kind of cool, and you know you got three guys from the east, three guys from the west for the uh, three point contest. 
But I feel like there are two unathletic white guys that can't do anything but shoot threes. So I feel like that, a one-on-one game of them could be fantastic. Well, that Bonner's a little taller. He is a little taller. What are your thoughts on uh, Tim Duncan being out? You know, um... That could potentially be like Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, it could be. Um... You know, it's tough, because he's getting up there in years. He's been great for so long, so... You definitely know that our good friend Greg Popovich will uh, be, uh, you know, be on top of that to make sure he's ready to go if uh, he can come back, or when he comes back from the playoffs. All right, but you know that we'll be back next week. Uh, We'll break down uh, the whole... I guess we'll wait you up to date in NASCAR news, because we've literally gone three weeks without talking about it. We talked about the other Generation 6 car, Tyler Tomeo. He was so thrilled. Have you seen him ever since he's been back from his uh, surgery? On his yeah, I, I actually, uh, yesterday I was talking to him. I was walking up down to the uh, cross walk over by Nebraska and I guess uh, kind of the corner there. We had like a conversation for like 10 minutes just talking. It was kind of cold out. Is a scar there? Is that Harry Potter? Uh, a little bit of a scar. Well, that's all right. Face. Yeah, no, but talk about it. So he told me he needs to get up to date on NASCAR. We'll fill you all on the insider of NASCAR information next week as that's the actually the first technical race. Yeah. Which is uh, next next Saturday night. Sure. Unlimited. Yep. So um, once again, for all of us here, Team Mother Six Network is uh, ready you program from Procter & Gamble on Wall to Furious and Florence, people of 60. I'm Michael Gardner, and this is Fanatic Radio on blogtopia.com. Make sure to check out the podcast on iTunes. See you next week. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.